0: You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM. Crossing
1: the Rubicon.
0: Tell me, tell everyone who you are, what you do.
1: Uh, I am Jennifer Marr, and I am a an accredited life and executive coach, and I'm a trainer and facilitator as well. And I specialise in helping women to leave or exit. Unhealthy roles that are no longer serving them in the juncture that they're at in their lives.
0: Explain that to me.
1: I suppose they are, they've been in the role for a long time, maybe too long. And there's that realisation that there's no fulfilment anymore in a place that they've served many years, many years of loyal service. And I suppose it's usually after um you know they've their kids are starting to kind of maybe get towards school age and they realize there's a lot of juggling to take place and suddenly the role is just not cutting it it's just not fitting into their lives anymore it's not that they want to be at home it's just that they want better balance they want better recognition they want more flexibility they don't have the autonomy in their role anymore um because they know that they've you know they've got this bigger role outside of of the day job
0: but is that just part of life male and female we'll all go through that we can call it a midlife crisis is that just part of the journey that we live on
1: I don't know if it's a midlife crisis. I think it's more of a realization that there's more, that they have more to give and that, you know, their, I suppose, their strengths and their skills and their talents are not being harnessed in the world that they're in where they've, you know, they've shaped a career and there's just not that fulfillment. It's an itch. It's like something that is just burning inside and it's coming to the surface. I suppose maybe. I that's what I wouldn't say it's a midlife crisis I'd say it's the experience and wisdom that their life has has and direction that it's taken with you know motherhood um and it's made them realize that actually I want to do more here what well, you know I I have more to give and this is just not allowing me to do that
0: why? Why did you then decide to take this journey or go on this road yourself? Is your company a mirror image of what you experience and and how you change your life?
1: Yeah, and I guess um, you know, I suppose the best coaches and, and mentors can can only ever take you up as far as as you've gone, and and the, your ideal client and your ideal person is usually not that many steps behind you, maybe two or three steps behind the journey that you've been on. Obviously, we're all, all on our own unique path. Um, but for me, um, I left the corporate world after almost 19 years. Um, I had been there for more than half of my life. And I had some amazing um relationships and friendships form in that time I got amazing experiences I'll be forever grateful for everything that I learned all the opportunities that I had but I guess it got to a point where my own value system was starting to I was starting to have this realization that the value set in the organization no longer matched mine Um, and I knew that I had more. I had more to give, and this was not. I just I couldn't give any more. Um, I could have soldiered on. I could have put the head down, uh, but there was two events that happened in twenty seventeen. I lost a, a very dear work friend. Uh, she lost a, 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 her battle to cancer after a very short illness, and she was the same age as me, very young kids. And then I lost my brother in law as well. And it was this. Those two events were like this wake up to me that actually this is not a dress rehearsal.
0: Do you think that we need to have tragedy in our lives for us to actually go and this, I can't do this anymore, or there has to be something that is so heartbreaking that it takes us out. It's a paradigm shift that makes us change.
1: Yeah, I I, I wouldn't say it's a tragedy. I'd say it's there's definitely a catalyst. Sometimes that catalyst can be tragic. Sometimes it can be something else. Um, I think that's... A lot of the women that I'm I'm working with at the moment have had that awakening or that realization during COVID because it's taken the distraction out, uh, and they've been able to you know stack their day job against all their other high priority parts of their life, and they've you know so I wouldn't say it's a natural if it's actually a tragedy, but I definitely think there's a, a something that. That happens it's this great awakening it's a, it's something that it's a it's a reaction to a situation a trigger a trigger exactly
0: the COVID trigger
1: <laughs> the COVID trigger yes yeah. <laughs> what, what percentage
0: would you say of women are actually having a realization now because of COVID and want to that want to have that rapid change in their business or in their life
1: I don't know about a percentage, but it's huge. It's like it's, it's more than I don't know, double, tripled in you know in this year. I think um, you know whether we like it or not, women are in terms of equality, we're not we're not where we want to be. We're not where we need to be because we're up against systems that were, let's face it, designed for a, a mother to stay at home, and now it's trying to fit into that. And I think, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term double double where women are doing this double double shift where they're doing the day job and then they're coming home and having to do be the primary caregivers. I'm not saying that's, you know, uh, any kind of a, a bashing of men. It's not. Um, but there's still a gap in terms of where women are at.
0: Yeah. And I think if you t- if you say that and a lot of men hear that as well, they feel very comfortable or very un- uncomfortable about that being said because it is the realization it's a fact that you know women will do more at home the majority not all the majority of women will do more at home because it's built into them probably from an early stage as well seeing their mother and you know it's that mindset and it's the cellular memory and all that they do this and they look after the family and you know they're doing the work roles as well. Now, as a, as a as a husband and a father, doing my fair share. I probably could do more. And for us to do stuff, we do it. You know, um, yeah. the chores are broke up between the household.
1: Yeah, but and I think that's probably the same for a lot of a lot of house. You know, a lot of households are. But I suppose women have this, you know, innate nurturing and sensitive. And I suppose the fact that they births the children in the first place there is that nature play you know that that nature calling as well that that plays out where um you know the the, the woman is the caregiver of the children it's 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 just a natural instinct and 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 that's where the roles kind of that you know the, the role of of primary caregiver does fall to the to the woman
0: work revolution where women fought for rights um, you know there, there was the time that my mother stayed at home the minute she was married and was to look after the children and you know a naturally as life goes on these things change but I think there was an element okay you, you know the 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 egotistic male masculine okay we'll give you these rights to go and work at home but then they are to work but then they you know still had the mindset oh I still need to do all the other stuff that I was doing before we could go to work either so even from the very beginning of this revolution or this you know way of life it was skewed from the very beginning
1: yeah yeah systems just were set up so it's nearly like and I've seen this in the corporate world where women are are progressing up that corporate ladder but they're nearly trying to fit into a structure and a system that was designed um in the patriarch where women did stay at home and the men were the ones that went to work and got you know went up that corporate ladder and up to executive level or whatever industry it is doesn't have to be in the corporate the corporate world
0: but my sister fought for women's rights she was the one to know that marched in Dublin and wanted equality and all. So that was in the seventies and she was my biggest mentor, you know, and I could never understand why there was a division, even in that pay grade between men, men and women. There's one thing that women have to remember. Men are stronger than us. You know, she said, we may be equal and we fight for our rights, but they, there is that ego there, and men are stronger physically, stronger Dennis, and you have to be careful of that as well and
1: absolutely it was, you know, yeah it's
0: something that i kind of went yeah you know people there'll be the arguments and all but you know there's there is that masculine and feminine and it, it is changing
1: yeah um, there for sure and i suppose this is i certainly don't bash men it's and um, it's i come from a space of of equality and we are different. We're like, we're, we are different. It's the male and the female. Um, and, you know, we're in, we work in different, we operate in different cycles. Men will have a more linear cycle of a 24 hour, whereas a woman's natural cycle is, you know, a, a monthly cycle. We're, we're, we're cycling in different, pla- you know, so we're different and we have to respect those differences. But it's trying to kind of come to a place where there is that equality. But I, I, I know that, for sure that that strength that that your sister was 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 talking about you know that that i suppose for me how i see that is that the the structure and the systems that were formed for men there they are strong but i think they are starting to be eroded as well
0: yeah like sometimes i wonder is it getting to a stage where you're frightened to be masculine you know, there's this, and you know, it's embracing more of the feminine, which we need. We do need that, but is there an element of that whole masculine is slipping away as well?
1: I think like, it's, it's, look, just, I it's balance, wrong, it? just it's balance, isn't it? It's it's yeah. balance. But I do, I do think you know that men are leaning into the their feminine energy in terms of the nurturing and the understanding and the the softer that would have been before associated with women in the workplace um so it's it's balance it's, yeah, balance, it's balance is, is yeah. the
0: key like one of the things that i love is, it's you know i love being home with my kids you know i love work love at home i love you know we do all go from zen to zero where we're in that spiritual zone and everything is wonderful and then your kids go wah, wah, <laughs> and you go oh and you lose it and that's that's you know and, and you, you you drop it but I love being able to walk my kids to school. I love being able to pick them up. I love being able to have dinner with them. Yeah. you know. And, and I love all those things because they were the things that I didn't have. You know, yeah. my father walked from six in the morning until nine at night because my mother had to stay at home because that was the rules and seven kids. So you can figure the stress that was in there trying to bring in that money with seven kids in the house as well. Anna.
1: yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: I know we're jumping off track, and it's it's and it's just building that foundation um, of where we are today, um, with COVID and what's happened, and the, the clients that you're speaking to. To go, we need to, we still need to go an extra forty percent or sixty percent to get things right.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, but I think that women are waking up to their own realization that they can make a difference um their
0: own sovereignty sovereignty
1: yes absolutely and um, standing in that pair and realizing I mean there's I don't have the stats on it but you know m- mumpreneurs you know some of the best businesses are being created at the at the kitchen table women are realizing especially with you know all of the enhancements in technology that the nine to five and the commuting okay we're in COVID times and there's less people commuting but that we can you know build businesses around that you know that that are the other roles and the other hats that we wear Um, but I suppose we can't we can't do it all women will burn out (laughs) as well trying to do it all and I think society have played you know there's there's this feeling that well we can have it all and I always say, well, we can do anything, but we can't do everything.
0: Yeah, but if you look at the household, if you look at the community, you know, it all, it all boils back to the family unit. And in a family unit, there's a male or a female or there's a masculine or feminine or two males or two females. But it's that family unit. And yeah. that unit itself is a partnership which people grow and develop and, and raise children with. Yeah. But is that not the, the way that we should be looking at it within the corporate world? In a relationship, it's equal standards, it's equal partnership, it's riding the storm out together, or the joy. It's you know, it's it's the old sickness as in health, but it's two people united. Should that be the that should be the same within the corporate world as well?
1: It should be. It's just unfortunate. Just i suppose where where we're at now is that the systems that were built in the corporate world were not built with through that lens of enabling sexist. women sexist. yeah it
0: yeah was. yeah it's a sexist world yeah
1: yeah you know there's there's you know boardrooms i know that there's even boardrooms in dublin city center that didn't have a lady's toilet you know up in the up you know up on the floor where the where the their biggest boardroom, you know, up where the, the executives sit, didn't even have a ladies' toilet on the floor. Um,
0: I have to laugh at that. Sorry, you that's know, so, so
1: yeah. <laughs> but that that's the way. That's the way. And, um,
0: but what about you, the other way that it's swinging as well? You know, and I and when I speak to a lot of women and I ask them about these women network groups and you know women only, you know summits. And the majority just talked to me behind, you know, this is saying, I'm not into these. I don't like these. I like to be in those businesses or those environments where we have male and female. Will they get to a stage where those women networks and those will drift off? Or are they still needed to help some um, people raise up and give them those confidence because they're frightened of men?
1: I I absolutely don't disagree with the women only, but I certainly agree with you know not all networks are like that. For example, I'm involved with Lean In, uh, and you know they're a global um, network that was you know founded by Sheryl Sandberg, who's the CEO of Facebook, and I think there's over fifty fifty thousand Lean In circles um, right across the world now. But they're open for men and women because. You know, her when when Sheryl Sandberg wrote her book, Lean In, it wasn't just about trying to get women up the corporate ladder. It was actually for men to actually lean in to enable this as well, because women can't do it on their own that, you know, they're only 50 percent of the population. If men are not singing from the same hymn sheet in terms of that gender balance, then, you know, it will just be a divide. It won't be equal and it won't be balanced. You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, crossing the Rubicon.
0: Going back to the the household, you know, there's stuff that the man can do, there's stuff that women can do, and together then it functions. And that's the same thing within business. And I just don't get it. I don't get it that women are treated You know, in a way that is unfair within a corporate organization. For me, I just don't understand it because I see us all as equal. Yeah. You know, and and when people, and even today, and probably I'll have a conversation with someone in a year and we'll have the same conversation. And I'm kind of going, is it improving? Is it improving? Are companies waking up? Are companies understanding the value that both genders have within an organization or are we still living in in a fairy tale world
1: i I think 2020 has been very telling and i think um i mean so many working parents have now become that sky newsman you know where people have had this aha moment. Oh, you! Oh, so you do have kids. Oh, there's your kids there on the camera and they're waving to them. It's like, you know, it wasn't just a made up thing that the reason why they had to leave work early because the child was sick or, you know, that they were late in because they were doing the school drop. Um, it's like the realisation that people have lives outside of their work and life. Um, so I think, I think 2020 has accelerated. It, it's definitely brought stuff up to the surface, good and bad. Um I know there's women in organizations who have been completely snowed under trying to homeschool, trying to, you know, keep the household going and trying to keep their job going as well.
0: What's the process that women come to you and go, Oh my God, I'm having I need to get I need to get out of where I am or I've realised I've been the wrong is it the wrong career or is it the wrong you know they just need to get out of their business what is what is the one thing that people come to you and go help me with excuse me
1: i think it's more that it's sometimes it can, it can be a mix it can be that they're in the wrong career or it can be that they're in the wrong in the wrong organization And um, i hear the words the words that i absolutely detest but i hear the word toxic so often and it's usually a toxic culture toxic environment or toxic boss that is just not getting them they don't have the autonomy anymore they they can't fight their corner they've just lost interest they've lost momentum they're just not getting the fulfillment from the role anymore and they're just not being heard and being seen and that's basically where the shift comes and it's like Actually, I'm not putting up with this anymore and I need somebody to help me, to get me out there, to get me out of this role, um, because I deserve better. It's the self-worth, I think, is, is a big piece of the women that, I, that they, that they realise, I deserve more and I'm going to go for more.
0: Is it sometimes when you're speaking to people that it's, it's them? that are more the problem. Do you know where you can have the person that goes to the job and they bitch about the boss and the boss is toxic and they leave that job and then they go to another company and the boss is toxic and everyone is terrible and then they leave that job and they go to somewhere and that is toxic and there's a a pattern in their own life that's causing all this. So how do you find a balance between Everywhere I'm going, there's something that I'm doing, or something in my belief system, or are the other people being toxic?
1: That's a really good point, and and a huge part of what I do is mindset. But a lot of the women that are that come to me for help don't have that confidence, and they've actually forgotten how good they are. They've forgotten a lot of their strengths, a lot of their uh, experiences, things that they've done in the past. Um, you know, so what
0: what causes them to believe that?
1: I think it's the conditioning of their work environment because it doesn't play to their strengths. Um, you know, they're trying to get in, get the job done, and get home to family or whatever, and it's it's like this slow slow erosion of their confidence, um, and then realizing. I'm not putting up with this anymore, but but mindset plays a huge part and belief system, um, you know, a, a belief system is is a huge piece of the, the coaching process that I do because naturally when women become mothers, you know, they, they do, their identity changes, like it or not, that's a fact that, you know, their identity does change and they've lost themselves somewhere along the way.
0: But does that belief system or that confidence does it go far beyond work is you know is that our education system you know we always we talk about show me the you know show me the man you know i'll show you the man and i'll give him between the age of zero and seven you know that's every child confidence or something that is causing most of us to worry about or consider now is possibly relating back to something happened to us in our youth in you know in from ze- from zero to probably maybe 16 17 that can shape us in some way and that is how our parents t- dealt with us how our education system dealt with us as well so the question i'm asking is is that confidence and you know that self-worth is that affected by Looking back, even when you went on your own process to to deliberation of discovering who you really are, was it stuff that went that was further back?
1: Yeah, for sure, absolutely. And you, as you say, uh, zero to seven—that's when we have, you know, downloaded all of our programs into our our subconscious as to how we're going to see the world and the meaning that we're going to attach to the experiences. From my own journey. Um, absolutely. I would have been, I would have been fairly confident in my corporate role. I would have had the ability to, you know, to, I I managed, you know, some, some quite large teams and, you know, I would have had a level of confidence, but when I actually had, when I stepped away from the identity of me in that corporate role, I always call that time a free fall to freedom because I felt I found myself the real me. But there was definitely something in terms of confidence that I had to work on. Because as a child, I remember at the age of between six and seven and my mother going for a parent teacher meeting and being told that I lacked confidence. I was so shy um, and I just had no confidence in my own ability. And literally every... Parent-teacher meeting. Every report had some reference to confidence on it, and I tell people that now, and they laugh. They, you know, they're like, "Would you stand up in front of people? you you know, deliver workshops, you do training." Um, but that was that was a that was a very limiting belief and a conditioning that was that I downloaded very very young from my environment that I had to work on um for sure and and that often is the case for the women that I work with um but somewhere along the way they've downloaded a program that's now standing in their way and limiting them in some way
0: like it's even the program of you know you're weak if you cry you know and mm-hmm. and that's within the corporate world and i know not i know that's that's probably the wrong thing i know some people play play advantages on their weaknesses you know, in, you know, and tell me if I'm wrong in this that, you know, have some women would use that crying or for control or manipulation to get what they want? Or like, and men will, where men will use the bullying and the forced in a corporate to get what they want.
1: Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's. I, I suppose when we cry, it's a release of emotion, or when we're, you know, we're angry, and it's a bully tactic. That's a react. That's a, a, an emotion, uh, which is a response. Which is a response to something that has happened. So I don't know if you could say that. You know, when women cry, it's to try and. Yeah.
0: God, no, Jesus. No. <laughs> I after.
1: was going to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right, right Jesus yeah no, okay. i know I know people in the past, and they would they would laugh about it later on, saying they would you know they would use the crying tactic within a corporate to, to get to get to win an argument, so it would be crocodile tears that would have been put on
1: so. i suppose my yeah my my i would challenge that because it's it's around the reaction of the person that's on the receiving end of those tears and what they do with that you know
0: relation on both sides really
1: absolutely both there's two people there Yeah. yeah but it's that emotional response and perhaps the systems in corporate environment are not always highly emotionally intelligent you know to be able to react and deal um
0: you know, to but, deal with that response. Yeah, but but there's also that, you know, the fit to survive and the dog to eat dog. And, you know, we go to that goalpost. And like I worked in a in an organization which had thousands of people and it was very highly stressed and it was very male or oriented. And that stress came with casualties. Because of the environment that was in it as well. Your opinion: Where is corporate world going? Are we have we crossed that Rubicon, or have we so much? Is there so much to to do, and um, where we have that equal footing?
1: I think there's definitely still work to do. I saw somebody um, refer to you know large corporate corporate organisations are becoming tense as a, a casualty of COVID. Uh, the tents are just starting to collapse now. Um, I don't know how true that is. <clears throat> I don't know how. I, I, I mean, I'm out of the corporate world. I can only go by the women that come to me for help that are coming from a corporate background. And um, I suppose where it all comes back is the leadership. You know, you want to change something. You want to change a team overnight. You would just have to change one thing. And that's the leader. And I think in the corporate world, not all organizations, but I've certainly come up against a few leaders where they're they're one extreme or the other. You know, it's it's the extremes where they're not, they don't have that balance, they don't have that fairness, or they don't have that um the human side, I guess is the word.
0: Give me um, your I'll give you my what's the saying? If I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Yeah. That sort of
1: this micromanagement, this power this I suppose there's always a power dynamic isn't there you know so it's that power over and I think you know I've had I had I was so blessed I had some amazing leaders and managers and mentors in my time in the corporate that I learned so much from but I learned so much from the ones that I you know that I found challenging that did operate from a place of power over and so I suppose You know it it is that it is that piece it's that that power over as opposed to that power to or help you know the the best leaders that i've had are the ones that show you know compassion empathy the softer skills that that allow you to you know to be vulnerable to you know to 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 to, you know where you know you can have the courage to say i've made a mistake or i've messed up here and how are we going to work together and fix it Um, So I think there's definitely still work to do in that space.
0: But what, what is it, have you ever come across a person who then, you know, has complained about everything, you know, they get onto you and they just complain about their boss and their husband and their father and, you know, everyone in work is against them. Do you kind of go, okay, let's step back here and, are you honest enough to say and I I don't even know how do you say it that you kind of go it's not them it's actually you that needs to change
1: yeah and I suppose it's, it's, it's allowing them to um to be brave enough to, to gently turn that mirror back inwards to look at themselves. Um, but it, but it, it would be where you, you know, recognize a pattern that's playing out in, as you say, in work or in home or in, in relationships. Um, yeah. Because that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm enabling people to stand in their own strength and their own power and to change, you know, to, to change the narrative, because that's all conditioning of the ego. It's not their true Best self. It's you know that's not going to unleash their their talents and their gifts. It's just something that got covered up over time. You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, Crossing the Rubicon.
0: So, what would you say? You know, what is what is the process? You know, what 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 empowers someone? What do you feel empowers someone to be who they are? Because I think we all are going through especially with covid and lockdown we're all going through different stages in our in our thought process in our life you know we're all up one minute down the next like one minute we we love covid and we love you know, doing the gardening and spending time at home. And then the, the next part of COVID, we, we drop down and we we love to spend time with the person we don't even we didn't even like we <laughs> saw them, you know? <laughs> you know? So what's going on out there? I'm gonna ask you this. You know what's going on out there and what are your thoughts on how people can embrace this for them to be living a better life in the future
1: that's a a big question i suppose um well where i always start when i'm working say with a new client is because success is is going to mean different things to different people your version of success could be money you know mine could be something completely different so success is so unique to every individual um but what i would say is the best place to start is your value system and realizing where maybe that you're living your life out of kilter and not in alignment with your values and what you hold as your your high priority items. I mean, if you if you value um, I don't know if you value fairness and you're working in an environment that's not feeling very fair. Then you are going to keep coming up against this all the time. You are going to keep coming up and against conflict and uh, disagreement, and that is going to be draining. So it's trying to find, it's trying to find the 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 opportunities where people are going to be energized um, and in alignment with their values. And I know that sounds cliche. People throw value systems around all the time, but it's it's the only way, to, only place to start to to build a solid foundation for change and transformation
0: yeah i think it's the it's the you know the bedrock of of anybody is understanding what your values are and you you know that you know i always say to people is pick your five to seven values and really look at them because they are the bedrock the foundation of where you can grow now they can change from time to time but at least you you have something on it what are your values
1: well i i i consciously every day live my values i didn't always um love honesty trust kindness and positivity are my top ones mm. and i'd like to think on a daily basis that the interactions that i have the people that i work with my family I suppose my family are probably the biggest test bed of values, you know, because that's where we can be, you know, where we can get triggered the most, but consciously in alignment with those values. I'd like to say, I'd like people to say about me that if I got squeezed, that's what would come out of me, positivity, kindness and trust.
0: When did your, let's call it your spiritual journey take place?
1: Oh, Joe, you're hitting me with the big questions today. (laughs) Um, My spiritual journey, most definitely, I would say, um, when I experienced a miscarriage in 2015, um, I would say that was the biggest, hardest, most challenging thing that I'd come up against, uh, at the age of 35, so maybe that was a midlife crisis. Yeah. <laughs> to come back to your words earlier on, your terminology, and um, but it call was
0: all the you know, as, as I talk about a lot, is Joseph Campbell the dark night of the soul?
1: Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, my my friends would actually slag me uh, growing up that I lived in the house of the Waltons, you know, some of my friends wanted to actually move in. You know, I had this, you know, and still is, you know, it's like this perfect, you know, family unit. I, you know, I had such an amazing childhood, such a, I suppose a perfect, I don't know, there's no such word as perfect, but... When I experienced, I never thought that that I would experience, I mean, I'd lost grandparents and, and people close to me, but when I experienced the miscarriage, it was a different type of, it was a different type of a loss because it was something that only I had to have. I mean, I had this baby inside me for nearly 11 weeks and, you know, nobody else in the outside world could understand that I was mourning and grieving for this. And certainly... The route I opted I can very very clearly remember stepping into my power in navigating that experience of the miscarriage and I know that oh. that was a catalyst where I started doing things differently for me but it that's, was a conscious choice
0: that's mad yeah that's par- that's very powerful you know that realisation
1: yeah it was and and you know I've talked about this before and talking about it has been a huge part of 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 that healing I can talk about it now without that emotional charge now but I can remember lying on the hospital bed in the Coombe hospital about to have the procedure that would end the pregnancy and I remember being absolutely petrified I'd never been put to sleep before and as I was lying there the anesthetist asked me what was my blood type, and I couldn't think. I was blank, and he said, "You have the best blood type, and it's the easiest one to remember. It's B positive." <laughs> and it was just in those words that he was—he said that to me. He said, be positive positive," and it was like I had been everything but positive up to that point in 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 the re, you know the the ten days prior to that that um, that operation. So it was. It was that those words from the stranger that actually, yeah, actually, I I have the power as to how I'm viewing this experience and and what am I learning from this and and you know what am I what am, what am I going to change as a result of this because otherwise it's happened and it's it's needless suffering we we create our own suffering but it's it it's a waste of an experience if I don't learn from it and change as a result.
0: It's interesting. It's a conversation I had with Martina Croden. And she did an interview with us there a couple of weeks back. And it was her as well saying the same thing. You know, it's it's that power, you know, and and taking your own power back. Why I asked the question of spiritual journey, because I think a lot of people are wakening up at the moment. And for me, I'm more openly speaking about my spiritual journey than ever before before I felt that it could only be spoken about behind closed doors in secret locations. Um, and when I really sort of came out, I felt like I came out of the closet. <laughs> you know. Yeah. but I Suddenly still, in your
1: nude. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. and But I still feel I have one foot in and one foot out because understanding that that's our truth and understanding that, you know the more that i i learn and the more that i accept it and the more that i understand what's going on in life i still have that barrier in embracing that within the corporate world that's you know and and that will change but i need to go through this process would you feel the same yourself or have you completely embraced it and and open about it
1: i think i'm very i think i'm very open and i'm in terms of my spiritual journey my beliefs and how i see the world because that's my understanding of spiritual journey is actually when we realize that power within us um from within, from within that that it's all within it's all everything that you know if we if we don't go within we'll go without and um but i think <clears throat> i think i'm very care i mean i speak my truth and I'm very authentic, I'm very authentic in what I do, but I do have the emotional intelligence to understand my audience and where I'm speaking to, and realize that not everybody's ready to hear my experience and um, of my spiritual journey. So, but but that said, <laughs> there's a lot of people in the corporate world that I would speak to and would get it. So It's not that I don't, I'm not, yeah. yeah, And it's not that I'm not, it's not that I'm not ready to go and speak in the corporate world about a spiritual awakening. I think it's just understanding if people are ready to actually hear that message.
0: But isn't it amazing? Because we think that when we have this, we're all alone. But the more people you speak to, the more people you go, oh, you, you get, you think that as well. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's, I think of my own, opinion on that is because we were in Ireland anyway we were heavily influenced by the Catholic Church and when the Catholic Church in Ireland fell because of all the the misgivings that they had done within, within the church that everybody went the total opposite way and cut off total from religion and spirituality because we we put it all under the same umbrella, and even though we understand that this is the spiritual end, so we feel that people might think it's the religious end as well. Yeah. Which, which I push away because of the misgivings. Yeah. That they have done.
1: And I suppose you know, I would have. I have a slightly different view. I'm very connected with the you know with my with the community. It's more for me. Church for me is community because that is is hugely important to me. You know that the community aspect. I think that's where the lines of religion maybe have gotten distorted along the way. And um, we had a fabulous um, the, the the priest who actually married us. He, he passed away this year, uh, Father Gabriel. But he's a great family friend, and he used to always say, uh, you, know, you know, when people were getting involved in the community back up home in Dublin, and he'd say you know, I only want spiritual fruits. I don't want religious nuts, you know, (laughs) so I love that.
0: that. I love that actually. Yeah, I
1: love that. The spiritual fruits instead of, instead of religious nuts.
0: Yeah. Because what I'm even learning now is that I'm starting to get back into that, but I'm also, because up to last week, I, if you asked me, I would have said to you, I hate, Religion, I hate dogma religion I've, and I spoke, I have spoken very strongly about it, but I'm now understanding that it's not the religion, religious order itself. It's the individuals that have made it toxic and have turned it away to what it is. And we need to get rid of that toxicity and those people so we can go back to what it was originally designed to be and that's for for us to go within
1: yeah and i think it's that that it's that mass covering up isn't it it's that's where the the-
0: <laughs> some of that actually
1: there you go. <laughs> wow um uh, very I'm brave you, <laughs> i'm pulling it out all the <laughs> spiritual fruits of your <laughs> um but um you know it's that covering up i guess of of ego um
0: yeah yeah
1: because I suppose nobody, priests, nuns in the past, they didn't go into that vocation, They, you know, for, you know, to, to, to intentionally do bad and do wrongdoing because I suppose it's, it's, my belief is that there's good and bad in everybody. It with dependent on what side of, whether we're shining, you know, we're, we'll, people will get the, the good or the bad or the, the dark or the light, Um. But you know, it I think
0: the light is shining through more now than ever before. Yeah, on it. yeah. Tell, tell me, I, I know we're, we we wander off in all my interviews into where, where the conversation
1: fascinating. You've really, I, I I've probably shown a lot of vulnerability today. So <laughs> you're a brave man.
0: <laughs> tell me, how does someone know that they're screwed? How does someone know that they're they're, they're not in the right place? is there is there is there a is there a question that you ask them or did they just spill the beans to you or what is it and what are the steps that they need to take to get their own power and that's what it is you said it there earlier it's you were teaching people you're giving them back their power, yeah yeah
1: mm. essentially essentially and that. And that might be that they change their out their their mindset and their outlook on the role that they're in, and, and they might be able to move even sideways in the organisation. Um, a lot of people, though, when they come to me, are just ready to leave and they just want out because they have just had enough. It's got to a point of of bubbling over, and okay. um, and something will something was going to pay the price. Um,
0: well, what would you say, Dan? Okay. What would you say to someone who is listening to this and they're, they're having that ha-ha moment, apart from call you, you know? What, nice
1: plug there.
0: <laughs> what would they, what advice would you give them? Say you have two minutes, what would you say to that person?
1: To, it, it, for, for them to realise that they can exist yeah, what, on the outside. What, what, yeah.
0: what, are we, what, what, what have we left out or what have we missed in this conversation? That you'd want to share with that person
1: i suppose it's for me i always come back to well what would you do if you weren't afraid what would you do if fear wasn't in your way and that's usually where the magic is there's usually a golden nugget in there because if what they're doing right now is not what they would do if they weren't afraid or in fear And there was nothing standing in their way, like the, you know, the the reasons that we make up, like not enough time, not enough money, because they're all illusions. So I would say whatever the answer to that question is, is the direction that they need to start channeling their energy and focus on.
0: That's very good. And that's, that's very powerful. And in those simple words, what would you do if you weren't afraid? That's, yeah. And that that there in itself is the, is the beginning of a journey that could release someone, could truly release someone on it.
1: Yeah, because it, and for me, it just comes back down to it's you know my my father has this very <laughs> very cool on his WhatsApp uh, on his WhatsApp status, uh, and he's not technology mind You won't mind me saying that. Uh, one life, live it. Yeah. Just one life, live it. Yeah. And it's, it's powerful because, you know, we don't need regrets and, you know, there's no room for more. regrets.
0: I think we need to laugh more. I think yeah. we're, I think out of, out of, you know, I was speaking at a, uh, an event there during the week to about 200 people. And I was saying to him, you know, we, we talk about spiritual seriousness or corporate seriousness. We for, we've all forgot to laugh. We forgot to take the piss out of each other, you know. The Irish, who were saints and scholars, and we'd slag the arse off each other. We forgot. To, we're forgetting to do that.
1: Yeah, do think we,
0: um, we all need to start doing that as well, on it?
1: Yeah, because I suppose it's it's fun, isn't it? It's 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 not to be taken too seriously. Yeah. That there should be fun. We, you know, we when we're babies and we come into the world and we, you know, we have. You know no conditioning you know we we just know when to laugh we just know when to smile and we just know when we're content but we lose that as we, we we journey through life it's getting back that getting back to that
0: i get in the kitchen and i'm dancing like this and the two girls will come out and look at me and they start dancing with me and everything as well and having a laugh and...
1: <laughs> long may it last joe
0: <laughs> when's the book and the reason why I say that is, you know, my gut intuition tells me there will be one, and it's going to be very powerful. So, when is the book, Jennifer?
1: Oh, the book is actually already started, but I haven't told a lot of people that. So, really? I just
0: have this. the book
1: is started.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was just feeling this intuition that the book, yeah.
1: Yeah, the book is the book is is started and it's going to be Let I, me guess I,
0: it's gonna be a name around empowerment of some sort.
1: Well, it's gonna be helping people find their buzz and their buzz for me is their personal power. And that's after anything that life, you know, any of the curveballs that life might throw, even a global pandemic, um, how to find your buzz.
0: When when will that be? We we'll see we we're now giving you you know, Forty-five thousand people will hear you now saying when the book is. So you have to finish it now because you. Know, I do,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it it will be. It'll be sometime in twenty twenty one for sure. Brilliant.
0: Brilliant, Jennifer, someone wants to reach out to you um, and ask you for help, or read one of the, one of your messages, or connect with you on, I know that you've, you've you're very vocal on on social media as well um where can they get in touch with you
1: they can find me on instagram under b coaching facebook linkedin um, my website is b um, and uh, they, they google jennifer marr and i <laughs> a little golden bee should pop up the little bee yeah so, so LinkedIn, that's me uh,
0: and website address and all that that's yeah that's under, under your name
1: yep under me and bee bee gyal yeah, so gyal is the Irish word for bright people often ask me that what does that mean but the bee is a symbol for brightness uh, community and personal power so it was always going to be a bee so, yeah that's how they recognise me and bees show up now in the maddest and strangest of places
0: the, yeah there you are. my wife is seen <laughs> owls everywhere oh really yeah that's the wisdom the wisdom yeah
1: Fab, fab, Jennifer. love it, Joe. Thanks, Thanks so for much. On the show. Thank Absolute you. pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Take care.
0: And remember, here at Dublin South M we're interviewing plenty of people around the world, conscious leaders, and that's why we have the Conscious Business Podcast, which is part of the Conscious Business Academy, offering purpose, profit, and prosperity in your life through soulful selling, mindful marketing, conscious leadership, and creative culture. If you want to reach out to me, it's joedalton.ie. You have an awesome week, and take care and look after yourself.